I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. Welcome to Dale Borglum's Healing at the Edge. We are very happy to share with you Dale's profound insight and open heart. Please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dale to support this podcast. What are the defining characteristics of compassion? First of all, can we have compassion for ourselves? We think about this political figure that when you think about your heart closes, you think about him, your heart closes. Can you have compassion for this place in you where you were at the mercy of political figures 3,000 miles away? I mean, that's a shame. <laughs> Secondly, after you can have compassion for yourself, can you have compassion for him? Which all that means is, can you think about our president and keep your heart open? Can your heart be spacious? Can your heart be connected? Can your heart be warm? It's like the concept of him is not causing you to get cold, contracted, and separate. You don't have to think about why he got that way or what, what effect it's having in the world, but if you can stay open-hearted in relationship to somebody that you really have a hard time with, then the way you respond to them will change you'll be able to respond much more wisely with much more strength in the response. Whereas if we're protesting and I hate you, I hate you, then, I mean, the Buddha has this line where hatred is healed only by love, not 
love is the strongest force in the world. It's easy to hate people that you just know in your in your the marrow of your bones that they are wrong and you are right. You're convinced. <laughs> Let me read one of my favorite quotes from Pema Chodron. Compassion is more emotionally challenging than loving kindness because it involves the willingness to feel pain. It definitely requires the training of a warrior. When we practice generating compassion, we can expect to experience our fear of pain. Compassion practice is daring. It involves learning to relax and allow ourselves to move gently toward what scares us. Gently toward what scares us. The trick to doing this is to stay with emotional distress without tightening into aversion, to let fear soften us rather than harden into resistance. It is a practice. It's not something that arises fully formed because we have good intentions. And certainly, some people are more challenging than others. And possibly, there are people that have much easier time having compassion for person A than you do, but you have a much easier time having compassion for person B than they do because of your particular character structure. There's a wonderful story where Robert Bly was teaching a workshop on the shadow up in northern Minnesota where he lived with a Jungian analyst. Robert Bly is a sort of an amateur Jungian. And they were talking about the shadow. And finally, one woman said, what you guys are saying is really great, but I live out here in the middle of nowhere. And I'm not, I don't have access to Jungian analysts. How can I work with my shadow? And the analyst said, all you have to do is look for the persons that really bother you. They carry your shadow. And look at what your relationship is with those people. That's where your shadow is. They will keep appearing in your life <laughs> until they don't. And can you, can you do the shadow work, which is in some sense compassion work for yourself, for the shadow in you as reflected by these people outside of yourself? Like, does it bother you that he's destroying the planet? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> Even if we understand compassion intellectually, how can we do that? How can we cultivate compassion? I said compassion is our true nature, but before we get to our true nature, there is a process, often a painful process, of cultivating compassion. As you pointed out, when suffering arises, there are three possibilities, pushing it away, getting lost in it, or having a compassionate response. And again and again, we get automatically, unconsciously caught in one of those first two strategies, reactions to suffering. Compassion is a stage in the healing path. It comes after learning to be present. It comes after motivation. You have to be strongly motivated to be able to do what this payment children quote suggests of relaxing into your pain, going into what feels really difficult, what a lot of stuff inside of you is screaming to get away from. Can you really be with that painful feeling? 
And every time we can do that, every time we can do that, it changes the neural pathway. We, we begin to get that the way beyond suffering is to feel the pain rather than try to run away from it. Uh, we can use meditation to uncover patterns that are creating suffering. What is it you do again and again and again that leads to suffering? And then can you then just sit down and do compassion practice for that part of yourself? It's not an easy thing to do because it means touching that place that you've created a personality to avoid touching. It's going against your conditioning. But at the same time, when we really begin to get how much we suffer by doing this conditioned automatic response, we're motivated to try another possible way of meeting suffering. The judging mind and the superego are one of the main impediments to having a compassionate heart. That we see people and we just immediately notice their faults. I mean, I, that just happened to me this week. There's a person I had never met before and just, I just looked at this person's body and I thought, oh, <laughs> you know, he just completely let himself go. And I just, I, I felt a moment of judgment and then I thought, oh, Dale, you're doing that again. And I felt compassion for myself and I felt compassion for him. One of the ways we can do this is, as I suggested, these picking one of the three <coughs> defining qualities of compassion. Is your heart feeling spacious? And when it's not feeling spacious, then, okay, what's going on here that's causing my heart to not feel spacious? Can I have compassion for that? First of all, though, can I be aware of it? We've talked about the healing process. We need to be really motivated because we have to move toward what scares us. We have to be motivated. Does our pain motivate us? Does our life motivate us? Does the suffering of the world motivate us? And then we have to be aware of suffering, or if we're not really clearly aware of it, we can't bring compassion to it. Can we be aware of it and let go of the narrative? Often we're aware of something and immediately jump into telling a story as a way of distancing ourselves from immediate contact with the fear and the pain that arise when we touch that. You're aware of something, you let go of the narrative, here's exactly what it feels like, particularly in your body, and then, can I have compassion for what this feels like right now? There's even a very abbreviated practice called compassionate abiding, where you notice that you're not feeling compassionate, you're, you're caught and your heart is closed, you're feeling contracted. And you, the whole practice takes one breath, a breath in and a breath out. You notice the place where you're, you're feeling the contraction, you breathe in awareness and clarity to that part of your body, and you breathe out spaciousness. You just let go of the holding there. You breathe out spaciousness. And sometimes it's just one breath. We go from this contracted relationship with pain, emotional, physical, to a spacious relationship with it. The practice is called compassion and abiding. We never even mentioned compassion. It's that spaciousness, of course, is one of the defining qualities of compassion.
I work with dying people. Almost everybody's afraid of death, right? And people say, how can you do that? That must be so difficult to go and be with dying people. How can you go and be with somebody who's helpless? Yeah, it does resonate in you, the place that's afraid of death or the afraid of helplessness. And in a way, that's why we do it, to uncover, to force ourselves to look at something that we'd rather avoid. You hear the news, and Trump did something, and you get upset. And you say, I'm feeling this way because Trump did that. No. (laughs) You're feeling this way because you're feeling this way. The blame is not something out there. It's your own propensities for botheration are arising, if you will. Other people heard the same news, and they weren't bothered at all. They say, hey, that's fantastic. I can't make you suffer. I can do something, and you might suffer in response to what I'm doing. Compassion doesn't imply liking something. It doesn't imply not protesting against it. It doesn't imply not shooting somebody in the head. I mean, suppose you were a mother, and, and, a, and a, a crazy person came bursting into your house, and you had a small child, and this crazy person was just about to kill your child, and you happen to have a gun. Maybe the compassionate thing to do is to, to kill the person. Or that conundrum thing where you're standing by the railroad switch thing and there's a train coming. If you don't pull the thing, it's going to kill 100 people. But if you pull the thing, it's only going to kill 10 people. Do you pull the thing to kill the 10 people? You've caused 10 people to die, but you've saved 100 people. But a lot of people have a hard time pulling it to actually be the stimulus for the death of 10 people. But did, did you get that point I was making of let go of the concept of compassion for Trump? Think of it more as you're feeling compassion and he happens to be there in your mind. It's, it's that you are compassion until something comes and veils it. And the concept of him veils the compassion for you. So what I'm saying is can you go into compassion even in the context of thinking about our esteemed president. Without going to why he's feeling that way or, you know, causes and all that stuff, that's true too. But I think you're making too strong of a connection. It's, I'm feeling compassion for him, and he doesn't deserve it. Why should I do that? Then he's got the power. That concept is closing your heart. You're the one who's suffering when there's not compassion. I want you not to suffer. I want you to be able to feel compassion no matter what's going on around you. You don't have to be connected to Donald Trump. You can, you can be connected to God, as you think. You can be, be connected to Chinrezi, the God of compassion. You're having a warm, connected, spacious heart. And I would encourage you guys to explore, maybe we can do it in a guided meditation tonight even, explore what those qualities feel like. Stephen Levine always said, don't start with a 500-pound gorilla in the room. It's going to be too difficult. Start with a cuddly little monkey and work with that person and get how you can do the practice and then begin to expand the difficulty. So like literally in Buddhism, when loving kindness or compassion practice is taught, First, you do it with somebody you care about, that it's easy to feel love and compassion for. Then you do it for somebody that's neutral, 
and then finally do it for a difficult person, not even the most difficult person at first. I mean, you build up to that. So it's you learning. It's like, it's like going to the gym. It's a different muscle. It's the compassion muscle. It's not the tricep. It's the compassion muscle that you're learning to strengthen no matter what the environment is. So that you can be sitting there and you're feeling open-hearted compassion and then somebody says, boy, Donald Trump today. And you hear that and you realize how how deluded he is and how much suffering this is going to create. And from the compassion of your heart, then you choose how to respond to that. But if your heart closes and you get all angry, it really limits the effectiveness and wisdom of your potential response. So it's not like I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy even though he's being a real rascal. It's I'm feeling warm because I'm not getting disconnected from God. I'm not getting disconnected from true nature because there's ignorance in the world. There's always going to be ignorance. There are always going to be people who are aggressive and mean and and frightened and all kinds of different unwholesome characteristics are being manifested. And if we need to be surrounded only by completely loving people, then we're going to be incredibly vulnerable. But this motivation in the very beginning, one of the ways we cultivate motivation is to take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And the Sangha is us. It's like-minded people that we take refuge in. Yes, there's ignorance in the world. Yes, there's, there's anger in the world. But there are people who are trying to go beyond being caught in that. We can take refuge in that. We can be connected to that. So you're connected to that. That can be invoked in any moment. You think about Donald Trump and then you think Buddha Dharma Sangha, that freedom is possible even with Donald Trump in the world. And there is a Dharma, there's a way to do that even with all this ignorance. It's not just him, it's like everywhere. Your nature is compassion, conditioning again and again causes each of us to forget that, to become deluded, to have our hearts covered over by our conditioning. And all compassion is, is coming back to who we are, who we truly are. It is our true nature. There are, there are three qualities of the totally awakened mind. One of them is spaciousness, emptiness. Another one is the knowing quality, clarity. And the third one is naturally arising compassionate activity. That's who we are when we're not caught. Heart, mind. I mean, the heart is just a level of the mind. The heart is not something in the middle of our chest as opposed to a brain up in the, the head. In a way, you could say the heart is the depth of the mind and the mind is the surface of the heart. One way of looking at it. Or... But then there's the wisdom mind that's even vaster than the heart. So it's all it's all terminology here, but... What I said in the beginning that compassion is the center point. It what it what takes us from me doing something to this quality of spaciousness and life happening. That's exactly what this part of the conversation is about. As soon as we think I'm caught in this place, I, the, this Donald Trump notion or whatever notion it is is really really bothering me. 
then is it possible to have trust in practice, trust in the Dharma, trust in Christ, and go into your heart and realize that ignorance is contextualized in the vast sky of the heart-mind. That's always there. So when we think about the British oppression of the Indian subcontinent, or we think about racial inequality and discrimination in America, those things were changed by primarily one person who trusted the power of compassion, not by getting angry and hateful. Maybe these changes would have happened eventually, but Martin Luther King and Gandhi stood up and, and did not hate the oppressor. When dogs are biting your legs and cops are clubbing you on the head, that's even more challenging than having a president and that you don't approve of his policies and have compassion for that. And it, once again, it's keeping your heart open. What is the term that Gandhi uses? Something like soul force. You, you trust the power of love. What we're saying, obviously, it's going against popular culture and it's dangerous to the power structure. And, and Pema Chodron said that Compassion practice is daring. It's the work of a warrior. You think of a warrior and somehow maybe it seems like, well, that's not me, that's somebody else. But being the warrior to go up and see the guy in the health center, it's the work of a warrior. It's, it's, it's a daring thing to do, to do that consciously with the fear that's arising in you in response to that situation. We often think of love and compassion as kind of mushy. And that's where the wisdom component comes in. Compassion is a warrior-like stance in life. You're not going to close your heart because there is violence and ignorance. You're going to stay open to all of it. Please begin by briefly examining your motivation, in particular, the yearning of your heart to connect to be open, to not be frightened. Asking yourself, how has your life been affected by all those moments in which we pulled back rather than move toward life with an open heart? How much suffering has arisen in our life because we were unable to trust the heart of compassion? And then please invoke that love that is unconditional, that does not change, that which is our own true nature. It may be thought of as a particular form of a deity, 
as your own true self. But just for a moment, opening with trust to the fact that this love is the nature of things, it's the context in which all arises. God is love. Invoking in the sense of being willing to receive, opening to the ever-present blessing, allowing the mind and the body to relax, to open, going beyond a fearful need to fix or improve. Becoming very alert to patterns in the body, in the emotions, in the mind that seem to separate us from this compassionate heart? Can you be with them? Can you begin to notice how suffering arises? In some moments, there's openness and flow, connectedness. In other moments, we contract around a thought, an emotion, sensation. Without judgment, just noticing this very clearly. you might notice how difficult it is to really be with the arising of suffering, how it comes so suddenly, so unexpectedly. What does this feel like in the body? Being directly with suffering is a difficult path without the warmth and the tenderness of the heart. So please remember a time when your heart was truly warm, a time when you felt close to God or to another person. You were in nature possibly and felt connected to all of it. You were with a friend or a child or an animal. 
What does it feel like in your heart, particularly the center of your chest, when you remember this warm-hearted moment? The warmth of the heart will not prevent pain from continuing to arise. But can we trust this softness, this warmth, so that as soon as we notice we've been caught, can we come back to ourself with this heart quality? Can pain be the inspiration to open the heart and to open it more deeply? Being more interested in the quality of warmth, the quality of relationship with experience, than with the content of experience itself. Your focus right now, warm heart. But still alert, aware, Feeling the warmth of the heart permeating your body, your energetic body, each cell of your body. So sweet. Is it possible now to bring to mind someone you know that irritates you a bit? Not a really, really, really difficult person, but just somebody who irritates you a bit. And can you bring this person to mind and yet keep coming back to this quality of warm-heartedness? You're not trying to change anybody. You're not trying to heal anybody. But can you be compassionate? Can you be warm-hearted? And have the concept of this person in your mind. wishing that this person be free from suffering. That the way they are being bothersome does not need any longer to close your heart.
and then replacing this quality of warm-heartedness with a connected heart. A heart that is connected to the source, a heart that is the source, connected to God, connected to self with a capital S, to the higher power, to the Christ, to the mother, to all that is. A heart that is connected to whatever arises. A heart that has the courage to connect again and again. Possibly remembering a time when your heart was connected in that way. Filled with connection. The trust that arises from connection. Realizing that you are connected to all people who are practicing. Your heart supported by the practice of these countless beings and their teachers and teachers back into prehistory. Your heart is connected to the teaching. teaching that brings liberation. Your heart is connected to the basic fact of freedom. With this connected heart, Is there some part of yourself that in your recent memory has been caught in pain? Pain of relationship, pain about what's happening in your body, what's happening in your environment. And can you Maintain this feeling of connectedness and remember how you felt at that time. And these things happen at the same time.
and then replacing this quality of connected heart, letting your heart be spacious, realizing that the nature of your spiritual heart is boundless. Imagine that you could see the sky from a high place, vast sky, and as you breathe in, the sky fills your heart, your heart boundless enough to include all of the sky, without edge, without any contraction, spacious heart. Any cloud of I-ness or pain, egocentricity that might arise, is not a bother because it arises in such a vast spaciousness that is the nature of your heart. Breathing into the heart, breathing out this spaciousness in all directions. Front, back, above, below, to the right and the left. Your heart so vast that it could include the suffering of all beings those near and dear, and those countless beings, wherever they may be. Not only the abused, but the abuser. Not only the powerless, but the powerful. Can we realize the boundlessness and that it is not affected by any suffering, just as a cloud does not affect the space of the sky, the sky remains. Resting in this spaciousness, compassion for all beings, wishing that all beings might be free from suffering. Any pain of your own that may arise during practice is part of this practice. A contracted thought, a painful sensation, a difficult emotion arising and then dissolving in the spaciousness of sky-like heart. There is no suffering possible in the world that is so great that it forces your heart to close.
still with clear awareness of that which is arising, embodied awareness, letting go of stories and thoughts as they float to the surface, trusting, trusting so deeply the true nature of your heart, Touching and being touched by this openness so directly that even though again and again there will be a forgetting, there will always be another remembering of the true nature of heart. remembering that God comes to us cleverly disguised as ourselves. Compassion for self. The healing force that allows practice to deepen, to heal. So that we may share the Dharma with all that we meet.